Maccas on the radio. Crocodiles and ruse blokes along the Nullarbor tune in for the news. Someone in the Kimberley, someone down at Hay. Someone with a yarn or two phones from Byron Bay. All at Ulladulla wish the listeners well. Tales of droughts and drenchings, there's so much to tell. Here's a bit of folklore wrapped up in a song. Tourists in the Territory like to sing along. Voices on a Sunday from the far out back. Bulls and barramundi, Birdsville's dusty track. Cheerful women chatting, putting in their call. Maccas on the airways. Merry Christmas, all. They might be sitting up in bed. They could be working in the shed or shifting sheep or sipping skinny lattes. On fossil downs and cane grass station in a million homes across the nation, they're tuning in Australia. It's Meg speaking. How are you this morning? I'm good, thanks, Meg. What are you up to? What are you doing? We come from Paddy's River, halfway between Barrama and Goulburn, and we're going down to Horsley Park to the Sydney International Equestrian Centre, a show jumping day. And you've got three rehomed racehorses. How good is that? Yes, we actually got six all together, but we've got three on the float with us. These three boys are, are, are coming off with us. We love them very much. We've had them for three years now, and they're going really well. They were all hopeless racehorses, these three, but um, we've rehomed them, and they've got a home with us for life. Well, isn't that nice? That's a wonderful thing. I heard that the uh, the trotting people are doing the same thing, and, of course, the greyhounds have been doing that. They're, they're fantastic horses, and they're, they're good for any discipline. They're, they're the most intelligent Lovely animals you could ever wish to have. So we've now got uh, six rehomes, rehomes over now. Shatark was doing the same thing. Yes, he is. He, um, another lovely horse from Godolphin called Hartnell, who won about six or seven million. That's right, yeah. Still and we've got, we've got one called Etymology, who won nearly a million dollars at Godolphin gave us. So much money for horses. They're the most beautiful horses. Thank you very much for talking, Macca. Have a good day. Ringing from the rock on a Sunday morning. Yeah, Macker in the morning turns my week around. He picks me up when I feel down. Wait all week for Macker on a Sunday morning. It took six weeks to shear six sheep. Try saying that when you're half asleep. And Eileen reckon one sheep started snoring. Doesn't matter who you are. On Sunday morning, you're the star. You're all in Macker's green room on a Sunday morning. Exactamundo. I start my week with Macca on Sunday morning. Oh, and good morning and welcome to the program. If you've just got up, you've missed heaps. And I'd just like to thank Drew Forsyth, who sings our little song, and Digger Avell, too, who sings our songs, and people who've passed, present, who've written lovely poems and just contributed generally to our lovely program. Wasn't it lovely that way Meg there talked about her horses? You can tell the love in her voice about, she says, these boys are lovely boys, they're so intelligent, and you could hear the, just the love in her voice for her horses. It's just a lovely thing. Look, Michael's from St Mary's College, Broome. He says, Macca, Christmas is nearly on us, and the ubiquitous tree of the Kimberley, the Boab, Adansonia Gregorii, is flowering, which means imminent rain and in some cases being decorated as a very Australian Christmas tree and a centre photo of the lovely Boab tree, which is sort of like an upside-down tree. You know, the roots, looks like the roots are up, and but they've decorated it. It's a beauty. Michael says that Broome has had its best start to a wet season in memory, especially considering that the rule of thumb for Broome is no rain until after Boxing Day. Thank you, Michael, and thank you for your contribution too. Don McCulloch says, following on from the bushfires last summer, Western Creek Men's Shed was sending vehicle loads of tools 
to a contact in the Bega area of New South Wales periodically. It was decided a more concerted effort was required, so shipping container was obtained and efforts directed at filling said container with items considered to be useful for folks recovering from bushfires. With assistance from other men's sheds and donations from the local community, that container was forwarded to Bega in early December. To say the contents were an eclectic mix is probably an understatement, ranging from garden tools to workshop tools to craft items to Christmas decos, nuts and bolts, nails, etc., and several ladders. The container and contents was welcomed by the Bega men's shed, so much so another container has appeared, and the task of filling that container has begun. It would be appreciated if you could mention this task during your program, seeking assistance to fill this latest container with anything that might assist, says Don McCulloch, donmcculloch8 at gmail.com. And quickly, Jenny Holmes says, Macca, I'm Jenny from Townsville and was wondering if you received the two mugs I sent you, just to know you got them. If not, they're on their way. They're two little sort of coffee mugs, tea mugs, and Jenny has transposed pictures of our OB on the Strand in Townsville last year. Was it last year? Where's this year gone? I don't know. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody, for the lovely cards too. Listen, I was most intrigued last week to Tony, who who rang. He used to be the captain of the Aurora Australis, which has gone to Dubai or something to get refitted and it'll be gone from Australia forever. I was most intrigued with the story about the ice, the ice that he brought back from Antarctica to put in his scotch. Have a listen. It's uh, Tony Hanson calling in. I'm sitting at the beach at Crowdy Head. I watched the Aurora Australis go out last night from Hobart and I was master there for a number of years and a little bit sad to see her go, a little bit of emotion, a bit of nostalgia. There's been a fair bit about it going, leaving Australia and so forth on its way to Dubai to get refitted for some reason or hope to go somewhere and be useful. So, Tony, how many trips did you make down to Antarctica and back? I never counted them all, but I'm guessing probably 12, 14 Uh or something like that over the years, yeah. You know, it's pretty wild seas down there. I had heard Ireland there one time I was wasn't on the Aurora, I was on another ship, but I'm guessing the waves were probably 22, 25 metres high with, you know, with probably six or eight metres of white foam breaking down the face of them one time, and then it got worse. You know, you meet a lot of people going down the Antarctica, the scientists were just how the passion there, how passionate they were, it's, it was sort of like infectious for me, you know, just counting seabirds or picking up pieces of seaweed or doing the seal count or... You know, we had one lady go down there and actually try to find, you know, looking for moss because the moss in Antarctica never froze and find some ingredients in that that they actually could put in ice cream. You know, one time I brought 30,000-year-old ice home and so I could gl- drink Glen Morangi with my father and father-in-law, you know. That was that was a pretty special time. Uh, did it taste any better? Oh, yeah. You, you had these air bubbles in it, Marco. You pop it in and then you a couple of big chunks of ice and then you, you pop the Glen Morangi in it and it pop and bubble and stuff like that. Yeah, it was pretty darn special, mate. Hi, Maka, it's Dave up here in uh, Columbaroo, which is right up, up on the, near the Mitchell River Plateau, out on the Timor Sea. Oh, yeah. What are you doing, Dave? We're, um, uh, well, it's three, just after three in the morning here, so we've got the barges just come in from Darwin. Uh, it's doing a quick turnaround at this time of day because of all the bad weather that's around, the trop- and the tropical load that's sitting over us. We've had about four inches in the last couple of days, and we're... About four inches in the next day or so, and all the rivers are up. So, um, but we're just here collecting stores. The store for the community is getting all there. They've got about 20 pallets on board, and we're waiting for them to unload. Cleaning stores for here as well. There you go. So, Davey, you, this is your gig. You do this all the time. 
Um, I'm one of the nurses up here, so uh, it varies. It depends on the, what the tides are doing as to what time the barge comes in. It has so happened, unfortunately, that it came in at sort of 2.30 in the morning this time. So Christmas looks like it's going to be a wet one for you up there. I'm, I was talking to a bloke in Broome the other day, and he said the it's wet already, and usually you don't get uh, any rain till after Boxing Day. That's the... Uh, that's the rule of thumb for Broome, but uh, yeah, there's been a bit of rain around. Some tropical, um, the tropics are uh, a bit wet. Yeah, well, they've got the monsoonal trough that seems to be moving south at a reasonable sort of a rate. So, yeah, but we've we've everything saturated. All the rivers are up. All the roads are, clo- are cut off now. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a wet one up here, that's for sure. But it's beautiful to see all the greenery around. Dave, how long have you been a nurse at Kalambaru? Uh, look, I've been here nearly six months, uh, but I've been nursing in the outback for many, many years, for decades. And um, so, because my wife was Aboriginal, she we, she died a few years ago of cancer, and I, it's the first time I've ventured back up uh, into the remote areas for a few years now that the kids are all grown up and able to mind the house down in, uh, down in Victoria. So, uh, although two of them have followed me up here for Christmas, they've come in for Christmas, which is nice. Yeah, well, what a lovely thing. So you'll have a you have a bit of a Christmas there. Yeah, yeah. We we just have a bit of a an orphans Christmas where uh, uh, we all just sort of all the clinic staff get together and have a nice lunch and we just do it all. Um, and then uh, yeah, it's just business as usual after that. Well, Dave, it's great to talk to you. I can I can hear that you got a bit of a blow there at the moment too. The forklift that they're uh, doing, as I say, they're doing a very quick turnaround. It goes straight down the ramp, across the beach, onto the barge, and unloads the pallets and moves them about. And yeah, so and then we'll uh, in about half an hour. We'll start heading back and uh, cross all the rivers on the way home. <laughs> well, good luck with that, eh? Ah, oh, well, look, it's just that's life in the tropics, really. Yeah, in the wet season. I've never been there in the wet season, but that's another another time to be there. Really fantastic, isn't it, with the rain and the lightning and, yeah, the rivers up and, as you say, the greenery everywhere. Although, although I'm a poor blue healer, hates the lightning and the thunder, I've had to buy him a thunder jacket. <laughs> what's, a, what's a thunder jacket? I've not heard of that. It's a, it's a jacket that wraps around them nice and tight, so it makes them feel as though they're being... Uh, Swaddled or cuddled, and and helps reduce the anxiety a bit. The red healer, she doesn't care. She just goes about her business, irrespective. Nothing bothers her. Isn't that amazing? That's lovely. I'll have to get one of those too. Dogs, dogs usually don't like thunder, do they? No, no. We used to have a blue dog though that used to love it. He used to. He came from Mornington Island, and he grew up as a pup. Going out, they take him out shooting for wallabies, and of course, every time he heard thunder, he thought, "Hello, there's a." There's a load of wallabies going to be dead out there for me to pick. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? Isn't that lovely? Yeah. All right. Well, lovely to talk but to you, no, mate. All right, mate. You take care and have a wonderful Christmas. Good on you, mate. And I'll catch you in Columbaroo sometime, hopefully. Sounds good. All right, mate. See ya. Merry Christmas. No, see ya. Good, thanks, Chris. Just on the Pacific Highway, heading north to Bris Vegas, heading home for uh, Christmas. Will I give you a road and weather report from the Pacific Highway North? 
Yeah, you're in New South Wales or in... You're already... I'm in New South Wales, just, New South Wales, just north of Karua, heading north. And you'll be right to get across the border, will you? Yeah, you should be right to get across the border. Um, driving a truck, so the road's wet out here, a bit of traffic, but I think it's the um, 30th anniversary of that Kempsey bus crash which started the um, four lanes of the Pacific Highway because the other day they opened up the last section of four lanes near Woodburn, I think it was, or somewhere up there. I think it's four lanes now all the way from Sydney to Brisbane. Yeah, that's right. I think that's right. I think uh, Scott Morrison and the New South Wales Premier were up there last week um, uh, for the opening. Yeah, so I think, uh, I think a week ago they approved the Coffs Harbour bypass. So once they get the Coffs Harbour, it um, will make a lot of difference to, obviously, Christmas traffic and in general, because so they, it gets a bit uh, chocker through there throughout the year. So, and especially coming up to Christmas, I think a lot of people now will be heading north to Queensland. And um, it might be an easier run, but they've still got that little bit of a bottleneck there across Harbour. But once they get that out of the way with, I think it'll um, it'll definitely be a lot easier to get from the city of Brisbane. Yeah, apart from border closures, which I think, well, that'll be, that'll, I can't see why that won't happen because um, it happened in the past and I think it's even worse now than it was. So, yeah. who we've knows? Done the, we've, done the hard, we've done the hard yards now with the pandemic. We just, we've got to learn to live with it now and just move forward. But everyone's just still got to be, you know, realise that it's in the system. Yeah. And if uh, everyone takes care, we'll all enjoy Christmas, we'll all move forward. And, all the businesses will get back, all the truck drivers will keep working, everyone will get back to work. So. What do you carry, Chris? Uh, boats and trailers. Oh, I just, just I'm Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> boats don't and cut tra- all the toys. Yeah, everybody wants uh, their present before Christmas, don't they, for Christmas. Can you get that? They do. Yeah. <laughs> all right, where so do you... One thing, one, thing, one thing good about this, because no one wants to travel overseas, or no one can travel overseas, the uh, boat and caravan market has gone crazy and just ever since about October, September, everyone just went out and ordered caravans and boats and it's just gone crazy. And you're really busy? Flat out. Well, I... Looking forward, to, looking forward to get out of the truck, mate. It's been too many miles. I just need, to, I need to break out of the truck for a couple of weeks. So. so you're going to have a couple of weeks off, Chris? Yep, three weeks off. Oh, good on you. Good on you. Well, yeah, just uh, just chill, mate. Just chill and... Uh, um, You'll be uh, dying to get back to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've had that, but yeah. But no, with all the cars on the road, sometimes it gets a bit hard. And I don't think there's too many days gone past where any truck is nearly had a head on or some cars made a bad decision. And it's sort of uh, a bit hard to uh, pull these things up sometimes when they jump in front of you. I know, I know. Good on you, Chris. Yeah, be good, Macker. Yeah, Merry you, Christmas. Yeah, same to you, mate. Bye. Uh, g'day, this is Macca. Oh, hi, Macca. It's Gabrielle from Melbourne. Hi, Gabrielle. Um, I phoned you earlier in the year. Uh, I was the nurse who was going off to work at the COVID nursing home. All right, yes. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. Anyway, so just in response to, and a different response to the COVID uh, problem, I then, after that, I went back to my normal job, but which was it working in elective surgery mm. and it was still really quiet. So I applied for a job to work at Christmas Highland and I was prompted to ring by the song. Have <laughs> you ever spent Christmas on Christmas Island? So I'm actually back in Melbourne now, but I did have two months up in Christmas Island 
uh, doing um, COVID screening, which is not like looking after COVID patients. It's um, you're just, you know, COVID screening, so taking temperatures. Yep. Um, to, yeah. But that is a very interesting place. Have you ever been there? No, I've, I've uh, seen lots of stuff about it, read lots of stuff. There's been docos about it and the crabs and all that sort of stuff. It, yeah. it sounds... Uh, and it's been in the news for the last, what, five or ten years in Australia, hasn't it, for one reason or another? That's right, yeah. But I just, um, it's interesting insofar as it actually is, it's only um, four, it's quite up near Jakarta, so it's only 450 kilometres from Jakarta, but it comes under Australian rule. Mm. So it's it's governed by the Island Ocean Territories. Um, and it's a very beautiful um you know, natural jungle and natural natural beaches. Um, yeah, and uh, uh, so I was actually up there working as a nurse. It was funny that other guy had phoned in from, I think, Timor, um, because working up there, you meet lots of nurses who've actually done this sort of outback work for, for ages. But they'd worked in places like Thursday Island and um, Nauru and, and then in the outback of Australia. So, yeah. So I really was just prompted to ring by oh, the song. Oh, good on you. <laughs> well, good on and you, Gab. Yeah, you should have rung us from Christmas Island, but uh, next time sounds like you're going to be know why? on the move. Do you know why, do you know why Mac? It's Too early. Actually, no, no, no. It's, it's really dodgy, the, um, the, the connection. Yeah. And so if it rains, you basically just don't have any <laughs> internet. It's kind of a situation like that. So I, it, somebody said to me, you must ring back from Christmas Island, but... Um, yeah, that was the it, story. It wasn't as easy. <laughs> Good on you, Gab. I've got to fly, but nice to talk to you. And Merry Christmas. Happy Christmas. Yeah, Thanks. same to Bye you. Macker, it's Lorraine here from Kareem. G'day, Lorraine. How are you? Yeah, good. Yes. Um, we. I'm just letting you know what we're doing for today. What are you doing? We're going from Kareem down to Kyneton to have lunch with one of the boys and his wife and four grandchildren. Um, he hasn't. He's been away in Western Australia working, and he's been away for forty-one weeks. So everyone will be happy to see each other. I'll bet they will. Yeah. No, he's an auto electrician, and he works between uh, contracts between the different mines. Uh-huh. Yeah, so he travels all over the place. Mm. All over the place where? In Western Australia. Uh huh. Yep. And he lives in Melbourne. Mm. So he's been been over there for what? How long? 41 weeks. 41 weeks. Wow. Yes. So he'll be glad to get home? He has been glad to get home. He came home uh, nearly a fortnight ago and he goes back on the 4th of January. He's having a month home. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. And then will he stay there again for another 41 weeks, do you think? Or what's... No, hopefully he'll be able to have two weeks on and one week off after that. Yeah. Well, it depends, yeah. What, depends what happens, I suppose, doesn't it? You never... Well, that's that's the whole thing, yeah, between... Depends on between um, Western Australia and Victoria. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we finished our harvest. We're farmers. We finished our harvest a fortnight ago. So that was good yeah. and it was an excellent harvest. So puts a smile on our face this year. Well, there's been a good harvest in, in a lot of places, which is yes. which is very yes. good news. Um, yes. We need some. some... missed out, which is a bit sad. But, yeah. Um, no, we've been very fortunate. 
Well, there's been, um, yeah, we've needed some good news because it doesn't seem to be that, um, yeah, we get a lot of news and the news keeps reinforcing the bad news, if you know, and that's their job. So Yeah, we've but, got to find some positive things. Yeah, we? exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, well, you'll yeah, have no. a good, you'll have a nice little party and uh, get together. That'll be very good. Yeah, and then we'll have Christmas Day back here um, out at the farm and, uh, yeah, so with others, other members of the family. And we've got oh we've got one daughter in France, so we won't have her for Christmas. We've got one son who's in the mines up in Queensland, and one that um, drives drives road trains for mines over in Western Australia. So they're everywhere. Well, that's you've got a a family all over, Lorraine. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So have a lovely Christmas. Yeah, you too. And and thanks yeah. for your call. And yeah, um, you're uh, the boy who's been away for forty one weeks. What's his name? Scott. Scott. Yeah, he'll be uh, he'll be just reveling, won't he? Well, when he left, his son was shorter than him. Now his son's about four <laughs> or five inches taller than him, and he's only fifteen. There you go. Quite amazed to think that's happened in that time. Mm. I'll say. All right. Good on you, Lorraine. Nice to talk to you. G'day. Oh, it's Kieran Kelly. Good morning, Kieran. Hello, Ian. How are you? Merry Christmas to you and all your listeners. Yes, Kieran. Kieran, of course, ladies and gentlemen, is on the northern beaches of uh, Sydney. Um, locked down, I assume, Kieran. Uh, yes, I am, Ian. Although I, uh, I did have a learning experience last night, uh, as we all do. You're allowed to go for a walk, uh, which I did. I took the dog for a walk, and I'd always thought, because I grew up on farms, that Australian farmers had the bravest of hearts. That they. You know, they, if you look at what they've encountered this year, the fire, uh, floods, um, and the a year before droughts. in China is trying to crush them. And uh, and they, they keep getting up, uh, drought, uh, no matter what it is, they keep getting up. And I've always thought there's no one tougher than an Australian farmer. And I come from the land and uh, I wouldn't have been tough enough to be a farmer. But when I went for a walk last night, uh, and the night before, Friday and Saturday night before Christmas in Manly, beachside suburb is the busiest time of the year and these people during the winter really struggle they you know with empty shops and empty cafes and restaurants and a lot of them were looking for christmas to come good and i know one guy down there who'd taken about thirty thousand dollars worth of bookings for these this weekend and early into next week and i happened to bump into him and every single booking's been cancelled and he was in he was in tears i've never I just, it made me realise that not only do people on the land do it tough, there's a lot of these small little businessmen in places like Manly that were relying on this weekend to get them out of jail. And now every cafe in Manly is closed because of the lockdown. It's really hard. I really, my heart bled for him. And to see all these shops that were closed last night um, and Friday night uh, when they'd normally be booming, normally in the weekend before Christmas, you can't move down the beach and there's not a soul down there. It's very sad, isn't it? Yeah, I went. Uh, I was working here uh, last night, as I do, um, working till um, eight o'clock. And I looked at the clock, and it was quarter past eight. And I thought, what are we going to do for tea? So I, I went to a little. Well, it's not. A, it's a restaurant. Um, I ordered takeaway, and of course, and I thought, oh, it's going to be packed chockers. And I rang him up, and he said, um, no, 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 fine. So I ordered some takeaway, uh, ordered a spaghetti, a spaghetti, and uh, went down there, and of course. It wasn't chockers, and he said, well, overnight because of what they read, it's everything's you know they've lost half their business, and yeah. again, 
um, I've talked to other restaurateurs and and they can't, you know, you can't keep going if it keeps up and down, open and close, open yeah. and close. If it happens again, you know, like, um, I don't know, imagine if the same thing happened again in Victoria or, and, and, uh, and I've noticed that the border's sort of still open to Queensland and, and I just wonder because they'd be expecting a big, big influx of, of people. Huge. Yeah, millions yeah. and millions of dollars worth of, um, they'd be expecting a big influx and all of a sudden... Maybe and that's not going to happen. So, and for cafes and restaurants, I don't know what you do, Kieran. You're a you're the economist. You're the um, financial bloke. Well, well, and look, we've been through this before. One of my enduring memories as a child, because I grew up on a farm, was when um, um, Britain walked away from us and joined the common market. And I didn't really understand much of it, other than my parents talking about what it was going to do to the Australian. Uh, mainly, mainly, I think, the beef industry and the wheat industry. But we keep getting up. I mean, 20 years before that, Britain had walked away from us in Singapore. And we keep getting up, and we keep getting up. I'll tell you a very short story. A friend of mine I mentioned on your program this time last year, Rob Elliott, who for many years, he's a dubbo, got a place outside dubbo, and for many years he'd been breeding MacArthur-style sheep. He was trying to keep this genetic line alive. And I kept in touch with him as he gradually sold off all his livestock. First the cattle went... Then he started to sell the sheep and he determined to hang on to this breeding herd and he fed them. Then all the grass was gone and he had to start, uh, 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 sorry, all the grass was gone and he was feeding. And the price you were paying for bales of hay this time last year from places like Western Australia was just astronomic. You couldn't get feed. Then he started to run out of water and he sold the last of his breeding stock. He rang me one day and... I mean, he still had a sense of humour. He said, there's not a blade of grass left on this place now, and now there's not a drop of water. I rang him a couple of weeks ago. The grass is so high in Dubbo on his property, he can't see his fences. <laughs> and uh, and uh, there's so much hay around and feed, and nobody wants hay now, and there's plenty of water, but no one's got any... I said, are you going to restock? I said, he said, from where? You can't buy restocking cattle. You can't buy restocking, restocking sheep. And he said, mate, I'm in the goat business. What do you mean you're in the goat business? He said, well, I'm getting trucks of goats coming in from out at Burke and up behind the Pilliga Scrub, and I'm fattening them up here, and I'm selling in, in, into the Sydney abattoir trade the goats. Don't ever underestimate Australians. I don't care if they run a coffee shop in Manly or they run a property at Burke. They get kicked and they stand up again, and I think this is what our man in China doesn't understand. You can spend a lot of time kicking Australians, and all you'll do is get a sore toe. Um, uh, it, I don't know what it is about our character that makes us so resilient. Is it the climate? Um, is it the stuff we've had to endure as a small country a long way from everywhere else? I don't know. But I've got great faith that we will stand back up again. Kieran, uh, tell me about the stock exchange. I noticed the dollar's going up, uh, the, the exchange is going down. I suppose that I, I said one morning, I said to Kieran, oh, the stock exchange is just for gambles. And Kieran bristled at that. Um, we, we used to call it, when we did anything about the share market at school, it's called Shocks and Scares, we used to call it. <laughs> and that's what it's, it's a great name, isn't it? Shocks and Scares. You were in that game for many years. And, ladies and gentlemen, I said to Kieran one morning, I said, um, uh, you're going to retire, and he said this was when he was about sixty or something or fifty nine. He, he said, he said I can't retire. I said why? He said because my cl- my clients depend on me. 
and I've got all their money and, and I'm investing it and they depend they ring me all the time. It reminds me of a doctor. Oh, let's call him Dr. Dr. Kevin. He was a cardiovascular surgeon and he was about, you know, 67. And I said, are you going to retire? He said, I can't. I said, why? He said, because I've been operating on these same people, well, like you, operating on your clients. I've been operating on these people for years and I know them and they know me and they depend on me. But he eventually did retire and you eventually did retire too, Kieran. But... um. <laughs> well, you can't stay away from it, though. I follow this China situation, interestingly, and I don't know if many Australians realise that this is probably hurting China much more than it's hurting us. I'll just give you one example, steaming coal that's sitting around, what, there's 70 bulk carriers sitting off uh, Chinese ports at the moment. Some of them have been there a year, billion dollars worth of seaborne steaming coal, which goes into a boiler which fires power stations. Now... That man in China, he might be great as an emperor. He's a pretty dumb economist because you, Ian McNamara, who's done economics, would know that if you're going to increase demand, which China did after COVID to get its society going again, and at the same time cut supply, which they've done to Australian coal producers, what happens? The price goes up. So steaming coal in China's gone through the roof and they have to source it from Western China. They've got steaming coal in Western China. It's expensive, it's dirty, it's got a lot of water in it and a lot of ash. You, put, you can put it in a, in a power station and make power and it pollutes everywhere so they don't want to use it. So imagine a Chinese trying to manage, someone trying to manage a power station. They've got a heap of really good Australian coal floating off the shore, which they've paid for, mind you, which they've paid for and they're not allowed to use. They've got to go and source it in China, Western China, and the price is through the roof. So what's happening? They've got blackouts all this week. The blackouts have started through major Chinese cities. So, and we got them over a barrel. What they don't realise, or they realise that, that iron, steaming coal is one thing, iron ore is another thing. We're the only game in town at the moment. And, and iron ore prices in the last year have gone from $80 a tonne to about $160 a tonne. To the extent that BHP and Rio got called in this week to say you've got to get the iron ore prices down. Well, I just looked at them and said, well, hang on, how do we do that? You're the major buyer. And we're the only seller. Our only competitor is Brazil, and their industry's collapsed. Mm. So we do about $70 billion a year of iron ore to China. We do about 14 of coal, $14 billion a year, and the industries, the smaller industries impacted, like barley, etc., I think it'll cost us about $6 billion. So China, you know, I don't know who's pulling the levers up there, but they know nothing about economics. I think Jing... Jiaoping should resign as emperor, have, a, have some time off, come down, watch some rugby league and enrol in, in um, Economics 101 oh, at that. Sydney. <laughs> hey? He that. should enrol in Economics 101 at Sydney University, the course you did, and he'd learn about <laughs> supply and demand. He'd go, oh, crikey. I think I made a mistake here. Yeah. But, you know, rolling blackouts across China. And it could be, wait till their winter comes in. I mean, the winter hasn't started. If they get one of those, you know, mine, you Routinely look at the weather report for Beijing, you know, minus, yeah. minus 20. Um, yeah. It's going to hit the fan, isn't it? Well, they've been told they've got to restrict their heating. They've got to restrict their heating. And as you say, minus 20 up there in the middle of winter when the Siberian winds come in, that's a hot day, minus 20 up there. So I, I just wonder, and my, my message to Australian farmers and cafe owners in Manly is hang on. Just hang on because you're going to be here a lot longer than that man up in China. I don't believe you can keep making mistakes like this and, and you know, such 
basic I, dumb I, mistakes. I can't believe the language. I've never heard language. It's almost like the Second World War when countries like Germany and, and England were slanging off it. I've never heard language like that, and I think that's intemperate language and, and, and not considered. And uh, you, Australians just scratch their head and say, why are people talking to us like that? You know, uh, it's just a crazy yep. way to behave. Well, it certainly is because I don't think Australians are going to buckle, and and um, and and you know, strangely enough, they must be laughing down in Canberra because the tax revenue from the increased iron ore sales is enormous and it's overwhelming. Now, that doesn't help you if you're a small barley producer or a small wine producer or a small meat producer, and that and my heart goes out to them too. They must be doing it so tough. But as a nation, as a nation, we haven't been touched yet. Mm. And so you can you can slag us all you like up there in China, but there's a basic thing about economics that the Chinese don't understand. They think a trade is a game where it's like heads and tails, and heads China wins and tails Australia loses. You know, but it doesn't work like that. No, you know, no. Kieran, you, thank you for your uh, contributions this year and uh, hopefully you get on the road next year and uh, ring us from exotic places and and uh, Merry Christmas to you, mate, and thanks for your contribution. And look, Merry Christmas to you. You do a wonderful job um, in tough times. You're always there on a Sunday morning and you probably don't realise the impact you have on Australians and a lot of them have had a very, very difficult year for five or six different reasons and so good on you, Sport, for, for keeping everyone's spirits up. It's a pleasure. Good on you, mate. Uh, Merry Christmas. Okay, bye. Uh, day. this is Macca. Hey, Macca, it's Wombat. How you going? Oh, good, Wombat. What are you doing, mate? Um, at the moment, I'm on a fork truck and I'm putting heaps of plums away in the cool room. So... <laughs> Everybody wants good plums. Um, yeah, they're going to be on the market tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, just wanted to ring up, wish you Merry Christmas. And talking about Australia all over, I think I've told you before, I've been doing this for over 30 years in the fruit industry. I've worked down the mile down the mines. I've worked on the prawning boats. I've driven road trains up in uh, Northern Territory. But um, this this particular doing the fruit industry, I've been doing it for 35 years. And I've got friends all over the world that I've met that do this sort of thing. And, uh, yeah, it's just good people. And I don't know why they're scared to pick it. Like, I'm 75. I'm still going, working seven days a week. I started this morning at five, probably finish about three or four this afternoon. You're a champion, Wombat. Um, what, what, when do you finish? I, I meant to get down there, but as usual, I'm full of talk, but I never never make it. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, a bit hard, it's a bit hard to travel, you know, um, in Australia at the yeah, moment. Yeah, I know, mate. Yeah. We, we just come over the border this morning, come over the river, and there's a sign saying uh, we're going to need a permit to get in back into Victoria. Yeah. So uh, I hope I can get home tonight. <laughs> well, you should be all right because you've been, I mean, you know, you shouldn't have bureaucracy yeah. to stop you. But uh, we had a truckie call this morning, and he said um, he'd just been through, and there was no, although there was uh, signs, there was nobody there to check on anything. So, um, nah. Anyway, I had no, no police or anything there, just the signs up. So I'll have to check this afternoon just to make sure. But um, yeah, anyway, I'm pretty flat out, mate. So I've got to keep going. But oh, I'd love to catch up with you one day. Come we, down to Lake Boga, mate. And, yeah, we will. One, but so you're picking plums and stacking them this morning. So when do you finish? You you go into um, nectarines and peaches and uh, pears and stuff later on, or what? Yeah, tomorrow we're picking uh, plums. We got, I was just sent away in the truck nectarines and plums, and there's more plums. Uh, we're mainly stone fruit on this orchard. Well, we are all stone fruit. 
Yeah. But, so- uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll keep going until uh, January through about March, and then we'll uh, and then we'll get, get in the plant and new trees and get ready for next year. Yeah, well, I'll I'll ring you in the new year, and I will come down before March. I'll come down and. Um, yeah, like like David set up there, he's going to get me to pick some grapes. But um, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I, I'll supervise. I can su- get me a chair and I'll supervise. <laughs> yeah, no worries. I'm I'm not the boss here. I'm only a worker, but I'm sure we can arrange it. <laughs> All right, good on you, Wombat. Well, mate, you have a good Christmas, yeah. to everybody else too. And just uh, mate, you don't realise how much you mean to a lot of people in Australia because, like I said, I've picked. We've been all over. Wife and I travel for seven years all over Australia, and it just makes you feel like home the Sunday to here. So you're doing a damn good job. Thank you, Wombat. Good on you, mate. All the best. See you soon. Bye. See you, mate. It's Brian in Ballarat here. I'm just out walking the uh, Ballarat Skipton rail, rail Trail. Oh, yeah. And I'm fascinated by the music that you play for the quarter to eight news. It's absolutely marvellous. And I'd like to know what the combination of, of uh, instruments that you use there. Oh, this is the the theme, the ABC music theme. The ABC yeah. theme, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it's, well, it's fantastic. Well, well, some years ago, um, we decided to do our own little news, which is sort of news from the program, not not the usual news of COVID and and China and what's going on and budgets and deficits. So we what because we think there's a lot. We thought there was a lot of other news that we. So we just call it the all over news. And I said, Dad, I said, we yes, need, and it's we, good. It's great. We yeah. need we need a theme. I said to my dad, and he's because my dad played the trombone. See, um, so, he, so we got in. We had a little studio. So he played the theme, and then he double tracked it, and and that was the that's the that's the theme music. I'll play. This is what you're talking about. <laughs> That's the that's the one, isn't it? Yep. That's it. it yeah. Look, it's just terrific. It sounds like a quartet or something. Rather well, he probably brass pro- instruments, but a dad yeah. on the trombone. Yeah, just his, uh, <laughs> King Two B. He had a three B as well, so I'm not sure. I think he played the two. He he preferred to play the two B because it had a smaller bore and it's easier to blow. The three B is a bit harder to blow. Um, so and and the two B is a bit uh, toppier, a bit. Uh, yeah, it sounds. Whereas the so he might have played them both and. And just double track them, and there you go. That's what it is, Bryony. Okay, well that's good. I just thought it might have been you on your trombone. No, no, I'm an owner. I'm a trombone owner, but not <laughs> not a not a trombone player. Well, I, I tried for a while, but I, it's too hard, mate. It's damn hard. I mean, gee, yeah. and playing the trumpet. I mean, deep. They they are really physical physical instruments. You know, if you want to if you want a task in life, play the trumpet. Or even, or, or or the tube. I did for many years, and uh, that's that's why that's my interest in brass music, of course. Right. So you, the cornet from a long long time in in brass bands and so on. Yeah, yeah it's, all good. It's a, it's a tough good gig. So you're out walk, walking this morning, Brian. Yes, on the Ballarat Skipton Rail Trail, and it's a lovely morning in Ballarat. I'd like everybody in Australia to know that. Yeah. Nice and sunny, and uh, and and it's uh, going to be a top of twenty one degrees today. So. Uh, that's a bit of a heat wave for Ballarat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's good. Good on you, mate. And and you have a good Christmas. I'll see you in Ballarat okay. sometime when we can get across the borders again. I think it's going yeah, to be close. Yeah, good on you, Macca. All the best. Thanks. Wife so, and I thoroughly enjoy your program. Wouldn't miss it for anything. Thanks. Okay. Good on you, Brian. Over and out. See Bye. you, mate. Bye. G'day, this is Macca. 
Good morning, Marco. It's your mature whistling lady from Rocky, Queensland. <laughs> <laughs> My mature. I know. What's, um, your name is? Dorothy. Oh, Dorothy. That's right, Dorothy. Yeah, yeah. You're a whistler, aren't you, Dorothy? How's things, right. mate? That's right. How's it oh. going? Oh, very hot and very dry up here. We need some rain terribly. But no, um, Christmas coming up. I just thought I'd ring you and see if I could wish you a, a whistle for you, a Christmas song. So I'm going to whistle away in a manger, if you might. Oh, I'd love you. I'd love you to, Dorothy. I'd, mm. I'd love to whistle. I just think it's one of yeah. You can uh, speaking of playing the trombone. I I I used to try and play it for a while, and I always found that when after I'd done some practice, I could whistle much better. <laughs> because it made your lips a bit more supple. but um, yeah. Well, uh, I say I've been whistling ever since I knew how and nobody's going to stop me now, you know. So, uh, <laughs> And actually I was asked to do exactly what I'm going to do for you now through the week, you know, so I'm being a bit repetitive. But anyway, uh, so will I start? Yeah, okay. Away in a manger, is that it, Dorothy? Away in a manger, Ladies yeah. and ladies and, and, and well, just hold on, I'll give you an intro. I'll give you an intro. Lady, we need a drum roll. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> On the line, live from Rockhampton, Dorothy, the whistler, will give us a way in a manger. Go, Dorothy. For you and all the listeners, oh Dorothy, when we we I hope we can travel next year. I don't know. I get a bit uh, miserable about it. I'm a bit a glass half an empty person. But if we can travel next year, we'll come to Rocky because I haven't been to Rocky for ages. No, I know. And we'll, we'll do our program and we'll do a concert, and you'll be the star turn. Okay. You will be the star turn. You can, yeah, we can drum up a few things. You can whistle the um, the theme from over, um, the Andy Griffith show. Remember that? Do 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 And all those songs that had whistling. Oh, it's a great skill and it's wonderful. And you've got that vibrato too, Dorothy. Yeah. Well, as the man said at church last night, he said, "I'm looking forward to Christmas, uh, to New Year's Eve." I said, "Why, John? Why?" He said. Because 2020 will be gone and we'll start a new year and hope it's a lot better. <laughs> exactly. That's all we can hope for. Uh, yes, yes. Good on you, Dorothy. Thank you very much for entertaining us and uh, yeah, I'll see you in Rocky next year. Okay. Go safely and I'll catch up with you next year. Okay? Thanks, Thank Dorothy. You. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Dr. Ross is on the line. Good morning, Dr. Ross. Good morning, Macca. How you going? Very, very well. That's good. Just it's been Just a escaping a ward round, so that's great. That's good. It's been a year, hasn't it, Dr. Ross? It has a year and a half. And uh, I guess the big fright now is in Sydney's potential lockdown and what that's going to do for friends and relatives, particularly after a year like this. Um, I really think that Australia needs to look at itself, look at, look at the people around them and realise what we really do have that's value and the human relationships that are foundation of our society. And I hope uh, 2021 brings families closer together than they have been this year. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, I'll play this little piece for you. I played this earlier this morning. It was on Cassie McCulloch's program, Professor Rena McIntyre, but I hadn't really... She's talked about all sorts of things, and she talked about a vaccine in an article she wrote, I think, in The Herald, and probably it was in The Age, but she said this the other day about what sort of year it's been. Cassie asked her what sort of a year it had been for her, and expecting a personal response, I expect, but she gave this response about the year that we've had. Just have a listen. It's been tragic. You know, globally, it's been a tragedy to see what's happened. The debt toll, the toll on healthcare workers, on aged care workers, all the people who have to put themselves out there at the front line and face occupational hazards. And that includes quarantine, hotel quarantine workers. And then chronic long-term consequences. We don't know exactly how that's going to pan out, but I would guess in places like the US, they're going to have a huge epidemic of cardiovascular disease linked to COVID because COVID attacks your blood vessels, causes heart attacks, strokes blood clots. So there's a lot of long-term effects that we haven't even started factoring in. And I feel very fortunate to be in Australia. And I played that because to make people, if they don't already know how serious this can be. Yes, I think I think long COVID, as it's becoming known, is going to be the curse of the next 10 years at least. And uh, as we know more about the virus and, and its long-term consequences, society's going to have to deal with that in much the same way as it's had to deal with HIV AIDS, and before that, the cardiovascular epidemic, the heart attacks and so on like that, they're still with us, but we've now at least got some people cognizant that they need to look after their cardiovascular health. And I think we're going to have to start to think about what happens with the long-term effects of this COVID virus. And what's the best way to do that, Dr. Ross, to look after cardiovascular health? Uh, get out, walk, eat the right foods and uh, keep your smoking and alcohol down and uh, generally look after yourself. Mm. Take care. Dr. Ross, um, you've had a busy year? A very busy year. I've uh, had a little bit of my own clinical practice going on, but also the the joy of setting up or helping set up a a new clinical medical school uh, locally. And uh, we hope to have that launched. Another 37 young medical graduates aim for the bush. So uh, 2021 will be the the initial intake and... uh, we look forward to producing a lot more rural doctors out of it. Is that, is that happening? Because a, a, a bloke rang, a, a doctor rang a couple of weeks ago and he said, you know, this, he was telling me he met, uh, he does locums here and there, like you, and he said, he's, you know, he meets doctors from China and Iran and stuff like that. And, and I thought we'd worked on this 20 years ago and wasn't Newcastle Uni one of those unis where we sent um, uh, young kids from the bush to train as doctors in the hope that maybe they would go back out to the bush. And is that happening much or still needs to happen a lot? Because there's obviously shortages, is there? There are enormous shortages. And I guess the bush gets a bad rap because medical graduates assume that they're going to be away from all their usual supports, all the whiz-bang tests they can order, and they feel frightened to go out and try themselves. And I think the other thing is they're educated in the city. Uh, They engage with their partner of one sort or another in the city, and it's hard to drag two people out of out of that quagmire. We're taking 80% of our intake from a rural background, keeping them rural for their education medically, and we hope that at least 80% of them stay rural once they've graduated. Well, you can see too about rural Australia and city, you know, Australia, and more and more I think people are realising that the country is a great place to live um, and you can get almost anything now in the country that you can get in the city. Um, 
you may not get the French bread shop, but um, you can get just about everything else. You can get the turmeric lattes, you can get all of that, and you can get online, you can get all those um, testing uh, things. Uh, you know, I mean, it's all happening. So to me, it's uh, what they say, a no-brainer. Oh, it is a no-brainer. I mean, walking out and looking over the hills here, it's a real pleasure. It's a great way to start the day. And I can think of nothing worse than having to go through a concrete jungle with asphalt under my feet uh, for an entire day. It uh, just, it did kill me. And, and you... I think uh, people realise now, and this move to, to rural Australia, at least close rural from the bigger cities is, is occurring. Uh, we've got a, an absolute lack of housing availability here in, in Bathurst and similarly in uh, Orange, Goulburn and, and the nearer uh, large centres to Sydney. Um, they're moving out, but uh, until a, a lot more realise that there is a real pleasure beyond the Blue Mountains, uh, we're going to be still faced with that onslaught of people wanting to have their smashed avocado on toast for breakfast, uh, which isn't <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> Dr Ross, thanks for your contribution this year, mate. Thank you very much. Uh, it was only in March that we were in the park, wasn't it, in Orange, and it was a lovely morning yeah. and and yep. look what's happened since then, and now it looks like it's going to happen again. Hopefully not, but who knows. Well, thank you, Macca. I think Sunday mornings, the, the whole of Australia stops, listens to you, listens to your, your, your listeners and those who phone in, and that makes a, a spirit rise. And uh, all the best to you, your, your partner, Lee, and the, the, the whole of Australia that listens. Thanks, Dr Ross. We'll see you soon, mate. Okay. Bye. My pleasure. Bye. But have a listen to Christina. She just she rang early this morning. Christina's in Dublin. Good morning, Christina. Good morning, Mac. Well, it's actually night time here. It's pitch dark. Um, tomorrow's the shortest day of the year, and it's about oh, only six degrees outside, so it's not too bad. So <laughs> what are you doing in Dublin? Well, I've been here uh, 24 years, would you believe? Mm. Um, married an Irishman, and um, I'm a teacher. And I used to come originally from Bensdale, and I also worked in Taunton, Alice Springs for a while. We've had it pretty bad over here in Europe with the COVID and stuff like that. But we're trying to, with all the all the sparkling Christmas lights, we're trying to keep our spirits up, and we're open for Christmas. Thank goodness. There's talk, though. Northern Ireland's going into lock. They've got really um, bad cases over there at the moment. Their hospitals um, are overwhelmed. There's ambulances who are waiting outside the hospital in Northern Ireland and they can't even get out to the street to answer calls because they can't put their patients anywhere. So Northern Ireland, we're, we're, we had a six-week lockdown just before, uh, about two, from two weeks ago. Um, we had a huge big lockdown, obviously, in, in March. From today, we were allowed to go um, all around, we were allowed to tr- um, drive around um, Ireland. I could come out of our counties. But I'd say level five now we're going back into after Christmas because the cases are surging at the moment and we'll be back where we can't travel probably outside our county. Tell me this, what's it like uh, teaching uh, over there, especially with COVID? Does everyone wear a mask? So the kids are all in pods and they all, so I'm a secondary school teacher, so they they do all their core subjects in the one classroom. So if they do PE or science or home economics, they, you have to go to the, those particular rooms. But they do all the history, Irish, geography, etc. cetera, and the, the teachers go to them. So all the um, desks are sanitised 
as they can't, if they're if they're being used by other kids. The kids wear their masks. We wear masks. They wear masks out in the playground. Although it's a bit cold to be at the playground at the moment, the kids are actually they're very calm about the whole the whole thing. Christina, you have yeah. a good one, and um, yeah, keep I up. I will. The... It'll be a nice cold one. I think we're expecting a bit, a bit of sleep. Don't know if we'll get the snow, but we'll get some sleep anyway. Good on you, and thanks for ringing from Dublin. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.